Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. So, finally a win, and over Spurs no less, a team much praised and vaunted and uh, one of our main rivals for uh, a top four position. So, all's rosy in the land of the Reds at the moment. And joining me to discuss, uh, to discuss, should I say, the uh, great win, great performance against Tottenham and whatever else is going on in the world of Liverpool fans at the moment. A little discussion about the Premier League and the top six to finish things off. And oh yeah, Daniel Sturridge gets a mention as well in the latest of the Back to Front podcast. Uh, and to get back to what I was saying earlier, my guests are... The great and wonderful Umara Naz. How are you doing, Umara? I'm all right, thank you. Yep, not bad. Not bad. The, the wind after that. The wind certainly helps lift the mood. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's lovely to have you back on. It's been a while, so uh, yeah. yeah, the listeners oh. are in for a treat. And uh, Dave, how are you doing after that? Yeah, I'm doing well. I, I watched I watched the game uh, with my two Tottenham Hotspur supporting brothers which was a fucking delight uh, so I sat there with a a smug grin in my face for for 90 odd minutes and hardly hardly a peep out of my mouth so I was doubly pleased excellent excellent so a cheeser and no narcotics required lovely <laughs> so uh, that was of course uh, Dave Dunning uh, I forgot to actually introduce him so yeah Dave Dunning is our is our second guest tonight and as you'll see we have done another back to front podcast, so uh, this will fade in somewhere to the conversation. So strap in and enjoy the ride. Um, what were you going to say about the game? No, I was going to say when we were talking about um, the uh, def- um, our attack and their defence. Obviously, they had Danny Rose missing, and they've got is it Vatongan who's out as well, yeah. or is it the other yeah. one? Was it Aldevar? I can't remember which one. But yeah, that, I felt that obviously that it was highlighted um, when the match was on that that. Um, what was the left back who was covering? My That's it. Yeah, that he had a particularly weak game, and I think if Danny Rose had been, that, you know, fit and playing, maybe been, had, might have been a little bit of a different story. So, you know, they had their own issues there, and then we with Mane back. I mean, the first goal as well. You saw. I don't think anyone was going to make the run that Mane made, and then Fantastic. with the second one as well, the interception. And Neil, I've mentioned it on Twitter as well, how Suarez-esque that was. It was. <laughs> to kind of intercept, it? intercepting the ball uh, when the defender's not quite ready. And then it was quite fitting that he finished that second goal off in the end, even though Lalana and Firmino had their yeah. opportunities. But I thought that was quite good. But yeah, I'll just say, yeah, they, they had their few of their issues. And then up front, they didn't really offer anything. I mean, Lucas in in defence and kept a clean sheet. <laughs> Something yeah, well, right they there. They had one shot on target, didn't they? Am I, am I yeah, not right so. saying that? One significant chance, which was Sons, which which Mignolet, yeah, Mignolet made a good good save. Yeah, and he, he Mignolet, I thought, dealt really well with everything that he, he had to deal with. To be fair to him, yeah, I, it was it was strange. It was it was the opposite of everything we've seen in the last you know two months. I'm surprised. Was, I thought Pochettino got the tactics really wrong. I mean, you've seen in the last month how Liverpool. Fell away so badly. What it is that works against them, and he did the exact opposite and played right into our hands. I'm quite surprised that a manager of his kind of um, intelligence, shall we say, let that happen and continue to let it happen. Although we'd scored our both our goals in the first half, I thought at halftime this is going to change and a two-goal cushion isn't enough. But we managed to see it through, and he still didn't really change much. I mean, you could maybe put that down to us playing well as well. 
But I do think there were some lapses on their part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. But I mean, were they not on a pretty, a pretty spectacular run? They had been anyway on a pretty. They were unbeaten. They were unbeaten in eleven until they until they came down field last week. And it had had they not won ten of those eleven or something like that as well? Uh, yeah, I think since since the turn of the year they picked up eleven more points than us. Yeah, which is massive. Like, imagine if we had picked up those eleven points, we'd be if we had a, if we had their results from the start of the year, we'd be neck and neck with Chelsea. Yeah, so I mean, I that think... shows the form that I've had. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that then they arrived basically with the mindset we can we can go toe to toe here, and uh, we're going to. But I think he looks shell shocked. It's been said a few times. I've heard even his interview after the game where he sort of says, you know. I, I have no answer for why we couldn't match their intensity and stuff like that. It was just a bit like they were blown away. They did look a bit pedestrian as well. They just didn't seem like they were making them. But we absolutely smashed them for the first time. That's the first time we played like that in 2017. Yeah, Marley yeah. could have had four goals in the first half an hour yeah. or so. Yeah. Yeah. We were we were the best possible version of ourselves. And that, in that doesn't first that make half. it all the more annoying though? I mean, I remember thinking, I'm really happy we've won and hopefully this will kickstart something, but I wasn't as happy as normal because I thought, well, it just pissed me off what we'd done before that. And then you, you know we can play like this, but we still, we don't do it often enough and we haven't done it often enough and it just kind of took the gloss off the win for me. I think that comes back to the conversation we've been having around the players that are available and not having adequate replacements that have the same skill set. And you saw... I think again another big game and another really big performance from Wijnaldum. Um, yeah, he was very. Good. He was man of the match. Mane scored two, but for me, Wijnaldum was man of the match. Like he was exceptional. I was really, yeah, really pleased that he started because obviously we've seen Klopp does like to have Chan in there as well, but I just think Wijnaldum's so much better in there and offers so much more. I think Wijnaldum, this- yeah, Wijnaldum has to play, and I think if you're gonna play Emre, then. It's- Ship, then, then rest Henderson that, that game. I think that's the change. I think you, if you're going to play with three in midfield, you're going to play with one of Henderson or Chan and one Alden and Milana. Like, I think that's. Yeah, Chan and Hendo don't work together. Well, not in a three, not in a three when you just have one of the others, you know. Um, particularly when it's Milana, it just doesn't seem to work that three as well. I mean, I think if you played four, two, three, one, Chan and Henderson could could form quite a decent partnership, but that, when you've got the three, I think you need Wijnaldum and, and Lalana either side of either. Yeah, Wijnaldum seems to be the balance between Henderson and Lalana. He can he yeah. can work in that space between the two of them, and just the speed he moves the ball. It's I'd never see him take more than two touches, and even the pass through to Mane for the goal. You know. Yeah, I know, and it's, he has to dig it out from right under his feet, and you think, you know, you'd probably be best taking a touch and getting that out of your feet and then trying to play a pass. But Did you see his reaction when Mane scored? Did, I don't know if you've seen the video going around. Yeah, I saw it. It was like he scored, <laughs> it was like yeah. he scored in the last minute of the World Cup final. But there's no other hands making that pass. I didn't actually see it, but yeah, apparently he went absolutely, mm. absolutely insane. Like, I don't think if you take if you take one of those five out, any one of them, we're just not the same team. We just don't play the same way. 
that's an issue in itself then, isn't it? <laughs> it totally is at half I mean, percent. It shouldn't ha- you know, it shouldn't be that way that if you take one out. Right. I mean, when when Coutinho got injured all those months ago now, I remember being on this pod saying, I'm not bothered. I think we've got enough cover to be able to deal with it. And we were, it totally screwed us over and we couldn't cope. And then Mane went as well. And then Coutinho was just coming back at the time. And it just seemed like one thing just went out of place and the whole team just yeah. lost its kind of it lost. dynamism and it couldn't work. It, wouldn't, it just wasn't working, which, it, you know, obviously that's something that he needs to address. Yeah, I think yeah. it lost its, 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 its capacity. It dropped from its capacity, but like we were, we were still winning games and they were big games as well. We did still, after Coutinho was out, we did, we went away to Middles- Middlesbrough and we, uh, that was probably the last time we really played well in a half yeah. football was when we went away there and we smashed them 3-0. We beat Everton, we beat City and so on, but as we said earlier, we were grinding those games, but we did pick up points. But I, it just reached ahead. It just reached ahead around about, around about the Sunderland game when, we played a load of fixtures over Christmas. That was the the killer, wasn't that the one that was forty eight hours after the city game? Yeah. And, but to be fair, and then Mane went away. Then the wheels fell off. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Rather than rather than it just being Mane or just being Coutinho or just being Matip, because the whole time he was out as well, like which made a big difference. You know, we've, we've looked much more solid. I mean, kept a clean sheet against Spurs. With Lucas playing there, so I mean, we we said they weren't great going forward, but probably weren't going to do that with Lovren and Clavin starting. If we're honest, no matter who was playing up front. But don't you think though, when Mane did go, I don't know if you guys have had this conversation on previous pods, but he kind of rejigged the team a little bit more than he should have. So if Mane left, mm. just replace him in that position. He he moved Firmino and he moved Lalana and he he did a couple of things that I don't know if that were necessary. I don't know if you guys agree with me. I just thought, why don't you just stick Origi on and leave Firmino where he is? Origi can play on, out wide. We've seen he can. But he decided to move the whole thing around. I don't know if that's why it didn't work. And then Lalana was out of his best position as well. He seems to replace anybody who's out with Chan. He's like his first sub, basically. And if Firmino's out or any of the front three, he'll just say, right, well, do you know what? I'll stick Lalana up there and, and Chan can drop in there. Or if, if Lalana's out, he plays Chan. Or if Wijnaldum was out like he was against Hull for whatever reason, he plays Chan. So, so I don't and, know if that bring, he brings Ronaldo. anything to the team at the moment. I don't know, though. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from because on the face of it, that's what it looks like because Chan ends up playing. All the time, but I think I think there are different reasons why he plays. I mean, I think, for example, in in big games, he likes to play Emery Chan, uh, particularly away from home. Like you know, he likes the physicality, he likes Chan's kind of defensive work in the midfield, and he generally starts. Well, I think he started in all the all the games against the the main rivals away from home, and that's why it was a, a little bit of a surprise, as you mentioned earlier, that he he didn't necessarily start or he didn't start the game at the weekend. Then there comes a point where, I mean, he did play Sturridge and he did play Origi and he, he thought at times that, as you I don't know whether it was necessary or not, as you say, Umar, but I think he thought that he pretty much has to play them through the middle or he's just going to get pelters about why it is he, isn't he playing them through the middle? And maybe he thinks they can only properly operate through the middle. I mean, we know Sturridge has talked about it. Um, I don't know what we've made of Origi on the right or in the middle. He seems to have done much better when, when almost playing as a lone front man. Like, I can see, I can see 
at, at those kind of points, he was willing to bring them in. But after a while, when Origi's form dried up and he, he began to look bereft of any confidence, he felt he, he, he couldn't really go with him. Sturridge and him just don't seem to mix. He just he doesn't seem to have have any real use for Daniel Sturridge. He doesn't doesn't go to him. He's not his go-to guy like at all. He hasn't. Bec- he's become that way because he was going to him earlier in the season. But whatever he's seeing or whatever he's seen, he he doesn't go to him anymore. He doesn't. He can't rely on him. He doesn't trust him. So I think then there c- it comes to the point where he's like, well, I don't want to play Sturridge and I don't want to play Origi. So how am I going to do this? Well, I'm going to bring Emery in here and I'm going to put Lallana up there and I'm going to play Firmino out here and you know, in a way. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I don't think he trusts either of them, and I think he's he's discovered that since probably the middle of November when we'd. With Lalana missing and then with Coutinho missing, and you forget how long Coutinho was missing for. I think United was his first game back, no, and we it was about six, seven weeks. I think yeah. with rush back, but he was out for I think at least eight, <laughs> not longer. Like I mean, he, he when did he come back? Because he was there were, all the talk was that he would probably come back for the City game, but then he didn't, and that no, was he on. came back at United, I think, wasn't it? So that was two weeks after, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's like the tenth of January or something, and he was out. Uh, Wasn't wasn't the last game he played against because he took that shot and it was blocked and that's why he got injured. It was Sunderland away. Sunderland at home when we we won 2 0 and he went off. And then Mm. we had a run of something like 11 games without him. It was a mad number of games 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. It was was that congested. It was 10 games. 10 games without him and he came back for the United game. I think it was um, in the first week of November, wasn't it? It was the 19th of November. Okay, middle of November. So it was out for a About, about eight weeks. Eight then, weeks. Yeah. But then in that eight weeks, like you said, there were so many games. Yeah, and you're right. Neil Maddow was missing for a lot of those games too, for various different reasons. And then you get Mane back and continues not, continues, or you get Coutinho back and he's not quite match fit then. And then when he starts to get up to that form, Mane's away. At Hull, when we thought we were going to see all six of them together, um, when Alden was dropped, and I honestly don't think I just I just can't see how it can be um, a coincidence that when no six played, that was how we played against against Spurs, um, because it was what you saw against Arsenal, it was what we saw against um, uh, Watford. Um, in the first game Hull in the mm. first game Le- Leicester and I know Sturridge played that game but those three behind them with, with, with Mane and, and, and Mane and Firmino playing there's there's got to be you, th- you think it can't be that simple but I can't think of any other reason why and I know Henderson called a team meeting apparently and yeah, and all this it's all what's, what's it's all, yeah. all theatre like isn't it yeah, it's a little bit of bravado and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're still, it's like that plan to the media, we're yeah, still unified and we're, yeah, we're such a, we're such a strong, tight knit group of players. Um, and, you know, that's all great and, and everybody needs that at a club and that's the way it should be at a club, but you want to see the performances on the pitch. And, you know, if that's what got the performance, then fine, but I have a feeling it's got more to do with the personnel and what their attributes are compared to the, the style that we play against any, anything else. Again, we, we need to go out in the summer and we need to, we need to buy players that can, we need, we need to, we need to be having conversations around, well, who do we start for me or X player? Who do we start Lalana or X player we've brought in? Who do we start 
Henderson or X. In fact, you know what? I wouldn't even barrack this for Henderson, and this is a mad thing for me. I think Henderson is probably the only player in that six that's a natural like for like replacement than Chan. Pretty much. And he's I, been... mean, I mean, slightly different skill sets, but he can play that deepest role as well, if not, if not better for me. I don't know. So, I can't remember what game it was, and he was playing that deeper role, and he was just scaring me, just playing with the ball right in front of our back four. I it think was not, it was not. It was not. Did not make comfortable viewing. It was, it was. I think it was Plymouth at home. I think the replay yeah. against Plymouth. I think it was in the cup. I know, and he's um, probably showboating there. He's probably complacent there. There's no you need. Know, no, you don't showboat there. And that's that's stupid, you know. And I, I would agree with you on that one. But then there have been plenty of games that Jordan Henderson played very well there. Don't get me wrong, but there have been plenty of games that you've seen him there. At least four, five, six games, whether he's nursing a, an injury or whatever, where you're like. Miles off the pace. You're miles off the pace here. You're wrong side again. There's a big hole there again, and so on. You give you give the ball away again. Yeah, you're right, Neil. And I, I, you know, I am a big fan of Jordan Henderson. I, I think he's an excellent player, and I think we were, I think we underrate him as a general fan base. And you'll not know until he's missing, then you put somebody else in there instead. We we forget. And caveat of him, I'm not trying to make excuses for him here. But you forget he has been playing with that injury yeah, um, that's the thing. for that the is last the thing. few months. I think 100% but is it going to go away? Henderson is on the, you know, maybe not the first name, but one of the first names on the on the team sheet. But when he's nursing yeah, you, that injury and he's playing within himself, it's not enough. Like, is it, you know, you need you need a bit extra in there. But I think, you know, we do have Emery there as well. I can I think we probably will look for a central midfielder in, in the summer. I mean, it's been, been mooted what? like, hasn't it? James Pierce, James yeah, Pierce, I think yeah, was our, quoted our yesterday as saying <laughs> five or six players will come in, a left a centre back and a, a midfielder or a striker and there was a few different positions that he quoted. Yeah, but yeah so he said five 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 signings he said. So he was good news Pierce this week, yeah. And he specifically yeah, gave the positions as well, yeah. so that's quite what interesting. Saying, like, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think so. it's any surprise. The the, the the things that he said I don't think were any surprise. He also said he didn't see Sturridge, you know, staying beyond yeah. beyond the summer. So, you know, I think it's it's everything that, that makes logical sense and it's everything that you can see based on, on the outside looking in. So It, it actually happens. <laughs> yeah, and you hope it's, like we talked about, you know, you hope it's 25, 30 million pound players and not 10, 15 million pound players that come in. Or, well, regardless of value, but you know what I mean, to that standard. Yeah. Um, but I, you but know, yeah, I, players that are ready to play as opposed to players yeah. that we need to nurture and for a few years. We, we can't yeah. keep doing that because then we're never going to win anything. No, we yeah, and I trust Klopp to do it. I mean, what, last season we signed Wijnaldum, 25, Mane, I think 24. Um, 34. Uh, Matip, also 24, 25. So, I mean, good players of a good age who are just kind of coming into their into their peak likes. So oh, I, I think they're talking about their price. <laughs> no, not, not the price. The, the age. The age. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I thought to you. I, Matt, I, Matt, I, Matt, I, I thought it should ring a bell, like, and I was like, there, you must be taking a piss there. But, <laughs> 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 Do you think I was taking some, some kind of African passport jibe or yeah, something? Yeah, some Finiti fin- fin- George? Okay, Roger Miller. <laughs> no, I thought you were talking about how much we spent on them. Um, but yeah, no, but you, you're all right. Like, you know, coming into the kind of prime of their career. If we do that kind of business again, as you say, that, that kind of quality as well, five, six signings on that kind of scale, and you're laughing. And to be honest, if, if you're buying a centre-back there and a left-back, 
well, hopefully you don't quite need to go to 20 million for each of them. So maybe you, you, you know, make a little saving to go there and, um, and spend bigger on your, on your midfielder and your striker and so on. But yeah, that kind How of quality then? and that kind of age, I don't think it's, well, I think he will because I think Manila will go. Yeah, it's not a pressing issue for me. No, it really isn't. And I, this sounds this sounds daft as, as as suspect we are defensively, but buying players who can keep that front six playing the way it should function and the way it should function, I think, is a higher priority. Yes, we do need a centre half, hundred percent, and a left back is preferable. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him going for Chilwell again this summer, particularly the state that Leicester are in right now. They could, I, and I said it the other week, Neil, I think they're in danger. Big, big trouble. I think you might be right, though, because I remember in the beginning of the season when we were doing really well, they used to do these stats showing that a defence wasn't really doing much because the front six were doing all the work. And the ball wasn't even really coming into a position where we were threatened. So yeah. you're right. Maybe we can, you know, still get away with those kinds of, Although you obviously you want your world class centre backs and your world class goalkeepers, but if that front six and seven or whatever is working, then the defence automatically doesn't become an issue. But yeah, so that that can that will work if we can just get that, that the sort of the attack working again. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, think, the- I think you go for a left back because he doesn't fancy Moreno like does he? No, he really doesn't. He just but- refuses to play him at any given opportunity, even in an attacking. Capacity, he doesn't even throw him on. Absolutely, he he barely gets the cup games, like you know. But he's very much the uh, the the play against lower league, and that's about it. Like these days, he's going to bring in a left back, and ideally, of course, you want then Milner to be nothing more than a backup left back or a backup utility player next season, because he's going to be thirty two then, and after this season, his fucking knees are going to be buckled. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, the so, number of games he's played this season's incredible. And for the, the intensity and the amount of running he does, the the um, you know the amount he's on the ball as well. Like it's going to take its toll. So you don't want him as your starting left back for next season. You yes, definitely I don't need, think that's going to happen anyway. No. Exactly. So you go and buy a starting left back. You know, Ricardo Rodriguez. Maybe maybe you get him now. Wolfsburg are not the. Not the finance, not the fi- in the financial shape that they used to be since the Volkswagen scandal. He's still there, and he would be fucking ideal. Maybe you go and get him, and then maybe you go and get a really top quality centre back to partner Matip, and then Lovren moves down to your third choice if you keep him, or you've got Gomez as your third choice, and then Clavin in there. You know, if Gomez progresses, depending on what happens, and then you can start to look forward. I d- I don't think unless Mignolet wants to go. I don't think there's a need to sign a keeper. If Minnele wants to go, then you let him go and you, you decide what you want to do with Carrius, whether you want him to be your, your backup for a season or two and learn a bit more, whether you want him to be your first choice, which I would suspect the latter, and then you go and sign a backup. But then you keep yeah. to go and spend on your forward positions. See, it would have been yeah. nice if Carrius had, had, had got a long run this season to sort of prepare him to be that the main guy next, next season because now you're kind of stuck... Back at in you know back to square one with the goalkeeper situation. I just think dropping him in the first place was a mistake personally because well, I just Carith, yeah I agree yeah and then you know kind of you wanted him to have a, a run okay he had a couple of bad games but what a goalkeeper doesn't and and then all the hoo ha around 
you know, what happened with Neville and Carragher and all the criticism and everything. So that kind of, I think, played into it as well a little bit. But yeah. again, more yeah, better, we, like. Yeah, again, it's strange. The goalkeeper issue has become such an issue that it's almost now a non-issue. People are just so fed up with it. It's just like, well, yeah, it's got it's Manuel, fine. You know, oh, let's carry us this week. Well, you know what? Fine. Um, it doesn't really matter which one it is. Let's just try and go and score some goals and, and score more than the other team. I just think it's left Klopp looking a bit silly, personally, because he, obviously he brought Carrius in to challenge Mignolet. He put him in the first choice. In the beginning, he had the injury. He was out for a while. He probably would have been first choice anyway, um, but convinced him not to go to the Olympics. He got injured. That was a different issue. And then all the thing happened with, you know, the, with the, he had a couple of bad games and then he goes and drops him and then he brings Mignolet in. And I just think he's, I just think it just didn't really sit, look good, good on him. It doesn't seem like he really knows he's sure now what he's doing with the goalkeeper situation. I mean, obviously he's going to come out and say Mignolet is my number one or whatever it is he wants to say, but I don't think anyone's really convinced him either. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, don't, I thought it was a bad move myself. When he, when he took Carriers out, I was actually flabbergasted. I saw no real reason to bring Mignolet back in. I didn't really think uh, Carriers had been that bad. I thought there was a massive fucking ridiculous amount of revisionism that went on amongst Liverpool fans after Carriers had played for 10 games and people started to say, oh, well, Mignolet never did that, Mignolet never did that, and and of the 10 games we played, I think we won nine of them or something like. I mean, I don't think his mistakes were actually costing us points, maybe in one game. No. And then it all just got a bit stupid because that rat-faced fuck Gary Neville got involved. <laughs> and, you know, it, it all went from there. Then Club felt he had to say something. And well, then Carragher stuck his oar in as well. Uh, yep. So then Club felt he had to come in on it. And it just got a bit stupid and... I think it was much more that side of things that that maybe played on Klopp's mind and, and he thought, listen, this is a young kid, it's his first season here, it's all gotten a bit out of hand and I don't want him to be broken, so I'm just going to take him but, out here. I'm just but that makes it worse if he if he dropped him on the back of some kind of media hoo-ha. It just, yeah, it just if, makes it worse. If he felt, though... I, I know what you mean. I absolutely know what you mean. It just makes it look like that he it's kind of reacts of, to what's going on in the media rather than the player and how his ability and what he's like in he, training. He's and every, every day, do you know what I mean? That's the thing. He's brought him over there. It's obviously a bit of a mentor thing. You know, he'd he come from Mainz. He'd been at Mainz as a young young kid and so on and so forth. Like, so there must have been some kind of prior relationship and you you can only imagine that it was done... For, for on a psychological level, do you know what I mean? It was done on, on in a way to sort of say, look, okay, take a step back. We'll go with Simon here. We'll bring you in on the cup, and we'll take it from there. Personally, I yeah. think it, it was. A and mistake. then we'll go out of every cup, so they yeah. can't play anymore. Exactly. And personally, I think it was a mistake to do it, but he did it. I again think that there was an opportunity to bring him back against Spurs, but he chose not to. Um. In the end, Manila had a decent game, and I think, as Neil said, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter now one way or the other for Liverpool fans because I, th- I think we kind of rate them roughly in the same way. And the more I think, the more want to be progressive Liverpool fans would would be on the side of left wing players in. We've had enough of Manila, and the more kind of reactionary Liverpool fans would be like, "Whoa, hold on a minute, do what we're doing here and stick to plan for now," because he hasn't been that bad. 
And, I, and he, ha- he hasn't been that bad, not really, you know. And he hasn't. I, I'm not. I'm not getting it either. One. I'm sort of have, have you know, poking fun at myself and and at other people as well because that's that's essentially the split, like, isn't it? It's the yeah. Like, great. I totally you agree, know. Neil. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know when Carriers comes back in now because, as you rightly say, Ums, we're out of the cups and. Um, he chose not to bring him in last week, and Minion did fine. So I, I guess I would hazard a guess is to say that um, Carrier's season may be over. Here's, I'm just going to throw this at you, and it's maybe clutching at straws, but just for just for conversation's sake, I'm just thinking after you talking about the Gary Neville scenario and the etc. etc. There's three players who have, let's say, to be diplomatic, not exactly told the party line with regards to their interactions with the media over the last six to nine months. Say six months even, you could probably get away with. And those three players would be Carius, they would be Sturridge with his comments about, I have to play through the middle, I want to play through the middle. As opposed to if you stuck James Milner in front of the camera, it would be, I'll play anywhere, I just want to be in the first. I just want to uh, contribute to the, the club and help the club move forward and win trophies, etc., etc. And the other one, being the most obvious, is, is Sacco. And I'm wondering how much value does Klopp put on players' conduct, players' representation of the club, and particularly the representation of what goes on within this. Keeping things in house. Yep, keeping things in house, but also the supposed advertisement of such a tight, tight knit group of players and his, you know, his boys, etc. Hmm. So I don't know. Does that have something to do with it? I, I, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm just surmising that maybe we're seeing a manager, and I don't know enough about his time at Dortmund, but maybe we're seeing a manager who is of that Ferguson ilk that. You do not step out of line. I am the manager and I make the rules and your rules extend beyond your time on the training pitch and your time on the pitch itself um, to how you interact with the media, how you conduct your social life, how much attention you get. And you've seen that with Ferguson, you know, the likes of you know, Giggs, Skulls, Nicky Butt, never, Guy Neville, never in the media, yeah. couldn't even... Yeah. You know, and the ones that and then, went were, were, the, were the Beckhams, like, and the Roy Keynes, and and even do you remember, like, even do you remember when you when he froze Van Nistelrooy, like, inexplicably froze Van Nistelrooy, mm-hmm. and just and he benched him for a League Cup final against Millwall or something, and then he was sold, like, it was it was just out of nowhere. Yap Stam was another one that something went wrong. We don't know what it was, but he just went, no, do you know what? You 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 fucked me off, and you stepped out of line, so you're out of here, you're away. And regardless of how integral that player was to the to the club, um, he's just went no, bam, you're gone. And I'm I'm wondering is that is there that that might be the case? I think it's a huge part. And I've said it. I think for a while now, I've thought that he thinks that attitude, professionalism, that respect is first, and it doesn't matter your ability. Because I mean, that's the only way you can explain some of the guys who get in the squad that they, they have a really professional attitude, they're on point in training and they give everything 100% and then they, they get to play because, some you know, like you, we all disagree on certain players, like you say, for example, Lovren shouldn't be in there. I think that him being in the squad is 
99% of him giving his absolute 100%, whatever you say about him, his ability and how rubbish you might think he is. I think that that aspect of the side of his game, I think that's what Klopp likes. And that's the basis on how players like him are getting in the team. And it's the respect factor. And you're right. I think, I mean, it's, it's proven with Sacco. I mean, I think he was our best defender and he didn't give a shit. He just, he just throws him out. Like you said, it was just my way or the highway. I mean, we don't, like I said, don't really know every detail of what happened, but from what we know, a couple of two, three, four things that he did was enough to, to get Klopp to just completely draw the line and say, that's it. I'm not having it because it doesn't matter how talented you are or anything. You know, respect comes first. Your, your eye come first or the team your teammates come first and I think that's a massive part of the way that he works just to contradict myself totally right the for the, the Firmino scenario the drink driving scenario there wasn't any question that the Firmino was coming back into the team but on the other hand we, we know that Firmino is 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 blue boy isn't he See the Spurs game, he made the comment where he said that I have never seen such an incredible centre-forward performance from a centre-forward who didn't he score a goal. Him. Something along those lines. He loves him. But I think he absolutely him. adores him. But I think there's good reason. And I think I agree with what you're saying and why it might be, you know, you might be in danger of contradicting yourself or whatever. But I think he sees it in a different way. I think he has a different attitude. I'm not saying that he condones drinking and driving, but I would suggest that Perhaps he would put that down to being 24 years old. And perhaps in the circumstances, we don't know what the circumstances were. Everyone sort of hears drinking and driving and people go, you know, he was off his head, fucking speeding and whatever. He, maybe he just had a glass of wine with his lunch and was slightly over the limit. Like, we don't know. Did you hear the scenario? What is the scenario? Apparently, the scenario. It occurred was his house had been burgled. Um, mm-hmm. He was he was staying in a hotel with mm-hmm. the family um, because they were all a bit freaked out. And this was only a couple of days before he had went to uh, he went to see some friends or some family members or something or other, and he had a, a glass of wine or something. Mm-hmm. And he drove back to the hotel and he drove. Like, this is how mad it is. He drove past the police station on the way home. I don't know whether. He's taken all of those in the account and maybe, uh, you know, there may be something else going on. But I just thought, like, like how naive can you possibly be that you would just drive, right, if you if you think I've had a glass of wine, maybe I'll different, swerve the copper station this time and I'll, I'll take it back straight. Just, just different cultures or different um, different laws as well. I mean, the drink driving laws are not yeah. as stringent in Germany. Like, I mean, your limit is not as widely low as it is in the UK which basically says you cannot have any alcohol whatsoever and drives the, the limit yep. slightly and the attitude is slightly less hardcore here as well like um, so maybe that plays into it or maybe he just didn't think about it or maybe it's some bullshit story and actually he was blocked I mean who knows maybe it's just the one bo- of those sort of single cases of bad judgment and yeah, Klopp obviously that's, has all the information that, that's what I'm decided to then. put it down to him whereas with the other situation Yes. It's not willfully it used to be like an ongoing issue. And put your point across. It's not willfully stepping out of line yeah. and challenging the boss and threatening the group dynamic. And and I think that's really what it comes from. It's all about the group. You can't build in his Good philosophy. Point. You can't build the um, the absolute camaraderie 
that his kind of football needs the absolute dedication of the cause to run through brick walls to keep going and going and going and going and playing at 100 miles an hour for as long as possible in every game. I think that's where it all comes from. I think it's all about kind of threatening that, I don't want to use the word dynamic again, that harmony, that that bond that, that allows a team to become greater than the sum of its parts. If you've got a couple of parts in there that aren't willing to do that, then, you know, the whole thing falls down. We might be onto something here. <laughs> <laughs> We've solved the riddle. It's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. It's definitely um, got a thing for the, the German boys as well. So that might be <laughs> the guys who've had links with Germany. Let's say he does like, he does seem to like the um, the guys that he knows. And I think it's it's the it's a mentality thing, though, because I mean, he's been hasn't been any more committed to Firmino than he has to James Milner, for example. You know, I think it's it's a it's an attitude thing, and I think he's I think mm-hmm. that there is his his go to go to guy. Like essentially, I don't know who's played the most minutes for Liverpool this season, but um, you've got to say Milner's going to be up there. Klein's another one. Klein's another yeah. one. He's, he he seems to really really rate these players. I believe you you're right. You've got the attitude, but they seem and Jordan Henderson too. Don't forget. But they seem to be the more tactically aware. I think we're, we're we underestimate how tactically intelligent James Milner is. You know, he's he's slotted into playing fucking left back, and it's not like he's a young player. You know, it's not like he's a young player adapting to a new position. It's not like he's a left. It's not like he's Jordi Alba. You know, learning to learning to play. You know, ten yards further back than he did before. So, you know, maybe that maybe it's got something to do with that. People are people are consistently talking about a left back, and we do need a left back. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's a lot of revisionism. You, you, you used the term earlier on, Neil, and you're, you're right. There's a lot of revisionism over over James Milner and his his importance to the, the team and his performances over the last eight games or so as well. But again, I think that is a wider issue as opposed to the individual player himself. Um, and yeah, Klein no. also, because you know Klein, we, we we talked about his delivery, but. To me, he's been a victim of of this strategy we've had of putting high balls, high crosses into the box, and Milner was doing the same on the other side, and he hasn't had the same movement and and intelligence in front of him as he as he had previously. Um, and we use that excuse for midfielders all the time, and the likes of Coutinho, like Coutinho's a far better player when he when he Suarez and Sturridge playing in front of him. Well, for fullbacks these days, the same can nearly be said because they're so critical to the way teams play going forward. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree massively, and I made the point in the group earlier. I mean, I was just going to say about, uh, I made the point about if, if we had either Spurs' centre-back pairing or their full-backs, we'd be top of the league. But really, I was going to make the point about the full-backs, because we have, we have good full-backs at the minute, Klein, and um, I would say Klein is, is probably a little bit better defensively than Kyle Walker, but not as good going forward. And doesn't uh, doesn't have the same pace. And at left back, as integral as Milner has been at various points in the season, and with his, with his penalties and his link up and his few assists and so on as well, you know he has played very very well there. Don't get me wrong. At times in January that those weren't those, those times, but you know everyone is allowed to dip in form during the season, especially when you're 31, like and playing in a in a pretty much totally new position. So. Absolutely fine, but you've got Danny Rose in there. You're looking a whole lot better. I don't think many people are going to argue that there are too many better left-backs in the country, and that's a, 
pretty weird thing to be sitting here saying now, given that a few years ago most people wouldn't have said Danny Rose was going to progress the way that he has. I wouldn't forget that you make a good point about Milner's contribution earlier and thus far in the season, not even just earlier, because he was pretty good at the weekend there as well against Spurs. And um, when he plays along the ground, when he plays intelligently, he's he's very, very good. When he cuts inside consistently and, and swings in high balls, it's not so good. And we saw that before. But I think we'll go and get a left back because I think we need one. I mean, I don't think Jurgen Klopp can sit there and go, OK, I'll, it worked this year, so I'm going to stick with a 32-year-old James Milner as my left back next year and have nobody else come in. No, you're right. We knew it was makeshift, yeah. It's just for the for so a short term. I think we will picks. go that way, and you know, I'm quite optimistic for the rest of the season. I I always like to be a a glass half full football fan. I mean, not so much necessarily in other areas or aspects of life, but as a football fan, it's like, what the fuck's the point? If you're always going to be miserable about it, like, you know, you may as well not 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 bother. Uh, but th- not getting at anyone, Devlin. Every- everyone can, can have their own opinion, and for you, I mean, you probably see it exactly the opposite. What's the point in 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 land yourself or whatever? But you know, such is life. Um, but I, you know, I think we can now. We were saying it before, and I think we can go on go on a bit of a run now. We, we don't have Europe. We don't have any cup competitions. We do have. We now basically have a pre-season, a mini pre-season. If Leicester draw in the cup, we could have three full weeks off here, like. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's as much as it, break. Yeah, as much as it killed me that that we went out of those two cup competitions, and it really did because I don't give a fuck what anybody says about the FA Cup. I like tradition, and I refuse to give up on the FA Cup at this point. Yeah, well, I like um, men at the weekend as well, so I like to watch it. So I agree with you. Yeah, it'll be boring as fuck for a couple yeah. of weeks. But this has turned this this is the silver lining of that cloud where this is this is almost best case scenario for Klopp. Klopp couldn't have planned this better if he fucking if he wanted to. Where he now has the home stretch of the season, the last thirteen games, we have only really got City away as a as a really difficult game. You know, Arsenal are coming after Leicester and it's funny you say that because our next four fixtures, I think, are Leicester, Arsenal, Burnley, and City. And I don't know about you, but the Burnley fixture sticks out to me as being the okay. most difficult one. We've them at home, though. We'll beat them yeah, at they've home. Won, they've, got, they've got one point away, point from, away from, from home all season. Did we lose to Hull at home? No, no, we battered we them. them. Oh, was it away? Okay, all right, sorry. Yeah, so. All the games, um, I was going through them earlier, the games we lost. The only home game we've lost is Swansea. Swansea at home. So that was the one. That was the one I was thinking that we did lose to a shit yeah. team at home, and yeah. that was the one I'm that thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but Burnley, Burnley the- aren't changing their manager or anything. They'll they'll hit Sean Dice does very well. Thank you very much at home, and they have a great home record, and they'll stay up with it. But I can't see them coming out and feeling causing a major upset. Like, no. Um, the the and, and the point the point of those you know we've got we've got all those players. They're all they're all over at a, a lovely. With little warm weather training camp, they're all having a nice time. He can get his team bonding going again, and it's yeah. that it's a bit then. mental refresh. It's a, it's a refresh as well. It know. is. It, it's a big deal because it totally he's only is. managed in Germany, and he's always had that three to four week. Usually, it's a four week break where you you go away. The players have a, a week and a half off with their families, and then they come back, and you're in training. You got like a three week training camp, two and a half week training camp, or whatever. 
uh, to get ready or you play a couple of friendlies and that, you get your team spirit back, you know, you, you bond again and you go again. And yep. he hasn't, he hasn't had that in England. And why would he? Because there is no winter break. But with this gap, it, it basically is. I mean, it's, it's, especially if it goes to three weeks. But even the way it is, with it, it's basically two and a half weeks because we played Saturday and then, um, and then it's going to be Monday night if, if Leicester, if we do end up playing the Leicester game then. It's 16 days. It was 16 days. Yeah. So, so, so plenty of time, plenty of time to get, you know, get muscles back limber, get fucking, you know, get, um, morale back, get a, a good training session going, get different systems worked on and so on. It's, I think we can really smash the second half of the season. I mean, in, yeah. in, in the Bundesliga tops, second halves were always, always better than the first. So let's see. And this it's just that thing. one month of January that fucks us up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's, it's so one. annoying. It's just we finished fine. Great. Brilliant. You know? If we finished third, great. Yeah. It's Absolutely. fine. Yeah, and, and I know, I know. Six- but it was just that we were in such a good position come the beginning of the year. And then it just, in the space of a month, it just completely turned on its head. I mean, I know we're still in the top four and everything, but... You know, we were we were up there. We were up there with Chelsea. We were talking about the title, remember? Yeah, well, they, <laughs> I yeah, know we some were. people would think wobble. it was a bit premature. They could but wobble, you never know. But what we I have know, to they're not do gonna is, wobble, mate. But what we have we, to do is win. If we win, 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 the pressure starts to mount. Like, it doesn't matter if we're drawing or we're, we're throwing in the odd loss here against teams we should be beating. We have to mm-hmm. mount a challenge. You might have I challenged. think top four, top four is sort of obviously if we get top four at the end of this, I'd be really pleased. It's just the position that we were in, and you know, it was really that no, was just I, I it was disappointing that sort to see it fall away like that. Obviously, the aim even before the season, we'd have all um, uh, had we'd, we'd have all been happy with the fourth place, but it's just a shame the way it all just kind of fell away. That was all. I hear we were. It was to be the the eternal optimist here. Um, you know, Neil Neil's on your boat. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate that because there's fucking few that are. So it's <laughs> it's only a dinghy at the minute. But um, the, the life raft. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's just two life jackets. No, it's, it's it's that it's that door from the Titanic that Rose was on. That's oh dear! But listen, um, we, we, Neil's talked um, a complete sense about about the breed that we have now. But the, the two for me significant factors here are that a no other team in the league has that break right now, especially the teams that we're we're competing with. Which in Germany everybody has that same advantage, and it is a level yeah. playing field, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is. Of all the managers in that division, there is no better manager, no manager more equipped to take full advantage of those 16 days off. Yeah. So, you know... Because he's used to it, he's done it before, yeah. Yeah, he knows you what know, to do. He'll, yeah. he'll just have to open up the old fucking filing cabinet and pull out, the, pull out a few drills and go, right, 16 days, where's my drill for 16 days? There it is there, right, fucking good, let's go. Dust and, off the old files. Yeah, dust off the old files, the old, the old blue fucking notepad, and just go, right boys, this is what we're doing. Don't need to prep it, we just know, and do you know what? It's not even, it's not even on a whim, we already know this shit works, so let's get it down. Here's how my team's played, go and watch some videos, oh fuck, do you know what? They were really good, let's trust the manager, we already trust the manager anyway, so we've, we've got a huge opportunity here to really kick on. Arsenal are demoralized after that 
absolutely shambolic shambolic you know know I watched that knowing knowing this well knowing that it was at least 4-1 just just for shits and giggles actually watched it from the start I went to on the the enhanced player on BT Sport and went back to the start and watched it after I came in from work last night just to laugh (laughs) fucking brilliant listening to the commentary in the first half from your man Fletcher Oh, it's not like last season. You know, it's 1-1. And last season, Arsenal came here and got beaten 5-1. It's not like that tonight. And I was like, what do you see, dickhead? (laughs) I actually wanted (laughs) Arsenal to win. I wanted them to stay in the competition. Yeah, I did. There was no chance. chance. Bayern were always going to stop them. I know, obviously. But But it would have been better for us. We want these teams to stay in. Distracted. The thing, thing about Arsenal is they still got big teams to play. They have to come down to we're going to beat them. There's no doubt that we're going to beat Arsenal at home. Any, any, that any one of you feel that we're not pro, like there isn't a 95 to 100 percent chance that we beat Arsenal at home. No, and I'm at that game, and that's particularly why I chose that game. Yeah. So. So if you had to pick any one of your rivals to be playing at home at that time of the season, it would be Arsenal like. Completely, they're so unbelievably predictable. It's just, it's just the. And do you know what I do? I see all the. I watched some Arsenal fan TV last night just to fucking oh. cheer me up. Oh it god, is, I watched some earlier as well. It's it's fucking fucking I, I've never seen it. it. Everyone's always. I've, not not I've never. I've never. I'm going to say just some links later on. It is fucking comedy gold. These guys are. These guys. These guys are these people that we talk about. You no, know, these people that are just. You know, one week it's, we're going to win the Champions League, we're going to win the league, and then it's, it's a fucking shambolic finger out, it's been blood too fam. long, it's time Can for I a change. Can I just put it out there that people from, all people from London do not say blood and fam? I saw that earlier on. It's just, it's the most, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But anyway, the, the, the point in here being is that I don't think it really mattered if Arsenal were in or went out because it has, it was going to play into our hands one way or the other. My brother sent me a message last night and we were just talking about the match and when we break and I said, did you see Robin's goal? And he went, yeah. He said, it's five now. And he just said, they just gave up. Yeah. What a bunch, what a bunch of spineless wankers. And he's not even an Arsenal fan. He was just sitting there watching it going, what a bunch of dicks. They just completely threw in, in the towel. And that's not just representative of that game. That is representative of their season. So, yeah, they would have had to play more games as they went through, and that would have been great for us. But you see now, they're not the team. They're not the type of team that's going to fucking go home, gather themselves, fucking. They always have a wobble and they have, have, have a rally in a couple of weeks. At yeah, least. and then we play them. So you've got every chance. Are they still in the cup? I'm sure they still are. I'm sure they have. They play chances. Sutton. They yeah. play Sutton in the cup, which is the it's probably the worst possible game that they could have. Is it's it a away or win? Or? It, I think it's at home, but it's a no win for them. Yeah, it doesn't matter absolutely. if they fucking hammer. It doesn't matter if they hammer them ten. Did you guys yeah, see Bayern Munich's official uh, Twitter account tweet afterwards? What did they say? After uh, I think it was something along the lines of same time next year Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bayern just fucking turned on the style and, and smashed them. Like I mean, it was it was lovely to watch. I don't like Bayern Munich as a rule, although I do like watching them because they're fucking good. I mean, they've got some amazing players. It was fun to watch them smash Arsenal, especially to watch it from a British point of view, but through through BT Sport. But living in Germany and knowing that, you know, all the Bayern fans were going on sport. 
So it's kind of a unique perspective, but yeah, it was the point is Arsenal are Arsenal are going to find it tough this year, and I want to come on to this, and maybe we'll sort of finish the pod by by talking about this. It's our rivals, really, and 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 the race for the top six, I suppose you would you would call it now. You know, we've spoken about Spurs. We played against them, and we can go back into them and their remaining fixtures because actually they've got a a very favourable run in. Although they have the Europa League to contend with as well at the moment. Of all of those, I mean, Arsenal are the perennial top four. Top achievers. four winners. Top four achievers. Yeah, let's say every year they they get there. So it's it's it, and every year somebody writes them off. Seems folly for me to say now that of those teams. I think Arsenal are, are a strong candidate to be the one that does fall out of the top four. Although you know there are others as well, of course. But how do you, you know how do you see it shaping up? We've talked about our our uh, remaining fixtures. We mentioned we've got Arsenal. We mentioned we've got Leicester coming up. We know we've got City away. And uh, I think second last game of the season we've got Southampton at home. Uh, they will be at home, yeah. Yeah. Who we said earlier that we haven't managed to score against in in three in three meetings this season. So that's not necessarily so easy. But we all I also mentioned about mounting a challenge and you have to mount a challenge. You're gonna win the league. You can't just squeak through a season. You've got to you've got to fucking put a run together. And actually of all the teams where you know Spurs put a ten game winner run together. Uh, Chelsea put a thirteen game winner run together. If we want to be considered as as up there with them, we we need to do something similar. We haven't managed to do that. I think the most we've put together this season is four or five. So looking at it, like if you we got thirteen games to go. We've talked about Klopp's um sort of semi winter break here, this this mini preseason, um the time away training and all the rest of it. Nobody being better equipped to to launch an assault on the final thirteen games. So as far as I can see, if you put if you put ten wins and three draws together in those thirteen games, you're going to be in the mix. You're absolutely going to be high up in the top four. And depending on what happens around you, there is the off chance you could even be better than that. So what do you see? Do you see how do you see it going? How do you see the the rest of the season panning out in those top six positions? And you you guys make it sound really like lovely and amazing and like you're getting me into in, you know hoping that we can do it now. But obviously the 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 big fixtures that you just mentioned, Arsenal City, win those and you you're in a really good position to to finish high up in the top four. I don't know if anyone's can catch Chelsea now. I think we can. We're gonna have to get a bigger bonus. <laughs> Well, I don't know. We'll I don't see. I'll see how in a few games. I, but um, yeah, win those two games, and you're definitely you. You're, I think, in a really good position. I don't know if we can go the whole season unbeaten. I think that's a stretch too far. Yeah, it could um, be. It, it could be. I'm not saying it can't. We've done it before, but um, I don't know. We'd have to. We'd have to go on some mental run. And well, that's what I mean. I hope if so, you want to so. be in that yeah. conversation with this level of competition. You know, we've seen, you have we've seen to, Chelsea, yeah. yeah, exactly. We've seen Spurs put ten games together. They actually had ten wins in a row. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, somebody will tell me if it isn't, but I'm pretty positive it is. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that United beat them in the middle there somewhere. Have a look, have a look at Old Trafford. They yeah, I think a, if they'd had a ten beat, a ten game unbeaten one, it would have been a bit more on the news because I remember obviously hearing about the Chelsea unbeaten one and the United been, unbeaten right, one. Be, I remember listening to I'm that. Going, one. I'm doing, I'm go, I'm it might have been all comps, you know. It might have been all comps rather yeah. than the, yeah. rather than the league. The league, yeah. But, okay, I'm, I'm researching. 
Yeah, they put a, a, a proper run together as well, and we have, and that's that's because they kind of came from nowhere because they didn't start so well. They had a lot of draws earlier in the season, a lot of nil. But days. again, Neil, the point we made earlier on that was when Kane was missing. Yep, and, and it just shows when you pull one player out of that team that that's the impact it makes. Yeah, and when the when the Europa League was on as as well. I mean, they true, true. They came into their own over Christmas. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of basically what I'm saying. I, I agree with you, Ums. It, it does, it, it could be a stretch, especially when you look at January uh, and how January went. But if I we're think gonna, we're still a bit sore. I am personally still a bit sore from January, and we've only had the um, Spurs win after that. I need a few more to convince me that we can do it. But yeah, obviously everything it's all achievable. You can, and momentum's a massive thing, and morale and confidence. We've seen. It happened in the 2013-14. We didn't lose a game in the whole of the, apart of up to Chelsea, we hadn't lost a single game in the whole second half of the season. So it can happen. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know if arguably with a weaker team, well, obviously we had Suarez, you know, you can't compare him to anyone, but. That's the thing. Yeah, Imagine dropping Suarez into this team. I mean, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we could be here all night on that, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, imagine having him. We've got our own Suarez now. We don't need Suarez. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to go back. But I mean, imagine having Firmino playing off Suarez. <laughs> yeah, I throw, I even throw, I even throw Alexis Sanchez into that uh, bracket because I think he would be absolutely perfect for the way we play, playing through the middle. Yeah, but I mean, Mane, Mane, you're right, Ums. Um, Mane was Suarez-esque at the weekend, mm-hmm. and, and with both goals, I think, I think the the run. For the first goal was pure Suarez and the way he runs across the defender after he gets in front of him and essentially waits for the foul and when he knows it's not going to come, then he puts it in the corner like, or puts it, puts it past the keeper. And that was a, it was brilliant and he can develop and he is a poor, he is still a poor man Suarez because I don't think, I don't think he isn't. Yeah, exactly. I don't. He has that ceiling, like, do you know what I mean? I think the little, he's not even little. I think it's just like you said, little glimpses of some, of Suarez type play, like, like you said, the interception, you know, intercepting the defender and and putting him under pressure. And I know our other players have done that as well, but it's just something that he used to do. You know, remember Everton when we beat them 4-0, was Mm. it the last goal that he scored, but he just nicked it off the defender at the halfway line and just ran the level. Well, that was a a bit like what it was. And and in that run, it was like, you're looking at it going, he's not that quick, but he's, he's going to get away. And then he just runs across him and he yeah. just knows if this guy brings me down here, it's a red card all fucking day. So he's not going to touch me. And once he gets across him, he's free and he knows that. Manny does the same for the first goal. But yeah, um, so yeah, so I mean, how do you see, how do uh, I interrupted you there, when you were talking away. So how do you actually see it going first? Do you think we have turned a corner or do you think there are still pitfalls? Out there, do you think it's uh, still touch and go whether we, we we make this top four? Oh, like I said, I'd have to to see a few more games. I can't just base um, the whole rest of the season on just this one win because, like you, like I mentioned earlier, I'm still a bit, I'm still hurting from the from the month of January. But um, I hope you're right. Anyway, let's let's wait and see. Talk to me in a few weeks. <laughs> How do you see it, Dave? I mean, United, uh, Europa League, Spurs, Europa League. Um, Arsenal, we talked about getting spanked already uh, in Europe. Pretty much guaranteed to be going out. How, how do you see this working out for us? I think United are in the worst position out of the 
out of the five teams. I think they, they've got the League Cup final coming up. They're still in the FA Cup. They're in the Europa League. And I think they have the hardest running. I think they have, they have Chelsea to play. They have to go to the Emirates. I think they have to, do they, I think they have to go to the Etihad. Um, so I think they have the hardest running plus those additional games that they're playing. Arsenal, I hate to write them off. People have been writing them off for probably, probably seven or eight years now. It's Arsenal's year to miss out the top four and it fucking never is. So I'm not going to write them off. Spurs, ugh, it's hard to, to deceive again. I, I think so. I, again, I think Spurs, much like us, are two or three players away from a fucking disaster, a disastrous run. Um, and they have, again, you know, we, we talked about they've, they, they play four games between, between us playing next and us playing them. So, you know, I wonder what effect that's going to have on their squad. And we know the high intensity style that Pochettino likes to play. Um, they're also still in the FA Cup. So, um, you know, they lost again tonight. I don't think they've lost two games in a row all season. Possibly them. City, I think the, the injury to, to Gabby Jesus was... It's a kick in the ball, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, they've only but, got Aguero to come on to replace him. <laughs> I know, but, but, but you know, this is what we're talking about. We talk about our squad. Season, hadn't they? And they, they were, yeah. they were only four. Yeah, but this is what we're talking about with our squad. You know, oh, Gabby Jesus is out for fucking, you know, maybe eight, 12 weeks. Oh, no, what do we do? Oh, we bring on fucking Sergio Aguero. It must be terrible for you, City. It is a kick in the balls for them, you're right, no doubt about it. But Guardiola has this habit of, of his teams kicking on the second half of the season. And he's always done this where he's purposely, held he's purposely, yeah, he's held them back a bit all season, even in training until the final three, Three and a half months of the year where they really kick on. Um, so they're still in know, the FA Cup as well, aren't they? They are still in the FA Cup okay. and they're still in the Champions League. And I, yeah. I, do you know what? I'd fancy them to do well in the Champions League. Yeah. I fancy them to do well. Although Monaco are a good side and and mm-hmm. they score a lot of goals, a lot of goals. But we'll we'll see. But I think they are. I think they are the nailed on one for for top four. I think Arsenal. It, 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 it remains to be seen. We'll just have to wait and see. But they've got a habit of beating the shit, don't they? And that's always what gets them through. They always beat the shit, no matter how many times well, they get attacked by the teams is, that are better than them. Is the, is the shit better than it's ever been, though? I mean, that's, that's nah. I don't buy into this. I don't buy into this also, one bit. When there when there are six teams really going for the top four, do Arsenal have enough? Do they have? I enough? don't. limped off last night. Hamstring. Yeah. He's, I think that'll be four weeks, you would imagine, like, are they light at yeah. centre back without him? Yeah, I think yeah. they're, they're, they're light. I think that's the thing about them. They're, they're light all over. They're just lightweight and they've tried to fix the problem by bringing in the likes of Shaka and El Nenny and it hasn't worked because as big and cumbersome and burly and robust as they are, there's no bite in El Nenny and when Shaka does decide to bite, he gets sent off. Yeah. So, they, they don't have, and they're right, there's just not a great deal of, of leadership in that team, I find. But it, it does remain to be seen because they always seem to do enough. So, you know, it would be, it would be folly to, to write right. them off. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you said earlier on, it really would be. So, I'm looking right now, as the way things are, at, at the likely two that are going to miss out are going to be Spurs and United. Based on form, based on 
matches to be played based on the run-in. So I'm trying to take as, as logical an approach to this as possible. And from our perspective, you know, we are in as good a position as we've been in the start of the season with this break, with the players we've got back from injury. You know, we, we, we talked about, you know, missing Lalana from the Southampton game, then continue getting injured when Lalana got back then. Then Mane going away when continue was getting back and, and all the while you had, um, Firmino being ousted and out of form, Sturridge not coming in and expecting what, you know, he should be our Sergio Aguero to come off the bench. He just hasn't yeah, been that. And it's so frustrating that you think this is amazing. We have Daniel Sturridge on the bench this season. That's if we're in trouble, we just bring Daniel Sturridge on and it hasn't, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, because Klopp has been really reluctant to bring him on even when we've needed him on. But you know, but he hasn't done anything to justify it. He hasn't played, he hasn't performed this season. He's only, I don't know, when, when we had the crappy run, you know, with, when we weren't scoring, when he played or when he did come on, it looked like, okay, he didn't do anything, but it did, he, there were chances. It looked like there were, there were chances being made and there were, he kind of looked like the guy who was more like, the most likely to do anything. Yeah, no, I agree. For me, anyway. But I, yeah. So that's why it's frustrating sometimes when. When he started games though, has he? Because he's always started against those crappy, shitty defensive teams that we don't not against necessarily the crappy shit, but he started against lower league teams, and it doesn't matter how defensively they're playing, they're still fucking... He started against Plymouth, and he did absolutely nothing. He started against Southampton. Yeah, but no one did, though. He started against Southampton in a strong team, and he, he allowed Van Dyke to fucking keep him in his back pocket the whole game. And yes, Van Dyke's a good centre-back, yes. But Daniel Sturridge, as I've said for years, as... You've said for years, as we've said as Liverpool fans for years, second only in the Premier League, if even to Sergio Aguero. He has to be able to give these defenders, these top defenders, a torrid time. Not just, not just wilt, which is what he did in that game. Like, I mean, he offered us absolutely nothing. So I've always been, and I'm not against Sturridge in any way, but I just, and I've always been a fan of him. Of his, and I am still a fan of his, and I'm sure he'll go somewhere else, probably West Ham or something like that, and score 25 goals next season and be excellent. But it's just not working for him at Liverpool, and his performance has suffered. It's not working for him on a personal level, it seems. It doesn't work for Klopp. You never, you just, I used to expect Sturridge to be the first sub, at least. I don't expect him to, to see minutes these days, like. Especially not in big games, so I mean, it, it, there's clearly a disconnect there, it's clearly not working, and I, I don't think it's a personal thing. I mean, I know we talked about the media and all earlier, but it, I don't think Sturridge has really done anything that particularly wrong. Anymore. No, I don't think that was a huge deal. No, Loads of players will come out and say that they prefer certain positions. I yeah. No, I agree, and I said, I said, you know, I said at the start of the year, and I said it a lot, that, that we're not the same team when Daniel Sturridge is on the pitch, and that is that I'm, I'm right in what I'm saying. However, what I I used to think that that was a Daniel Sturridge issue, but actually it's not. It's we're not the same player when anybody else. We're not the same team. Sorry, when anybody else is on the pitch other than those five six, or, or the, the the front six, and whether it be if Chan comes in, whether it be if you shift around, you bring in the likes of even the likes of Ajaria or or Gruich or wh- whoever it might be. Shifting a lot around, shifting Firmino around, unless you have those, those six players playing where we want them to play, where they naturally started the season, 
we're not the same team. And he just does not fit that style of football. And it's a, sh- it's a fucking crying shame. Like it really is. But the other thing is, Neil, you're right in what you're saying. We hold, we've held him in such high esteem over the last few years that against the likes of Plymouth, we should be expecting him to just fucking dance right under the pitch there and win the game by himself. Really though? But yes, yes, yes. I yes. see a yes. team there where you've got three or four sort of first teamers and a load of kids and Daniel Sturridge. And the idea is that your, your sort of first teamers in your spine keep it tight enough and Daniel Sturridge with his real quality fucking blitzes a couple up front. You win the game 2 0, boom, boom, job done. Get, getting no service or does he just have to do it on his own? Again, he again. is shown time and time again. He can score goals out of nothing. Out of nothing, but he it. hasn't been doing it, like, has he? Himself. He just With ten men it. behind the ball? Yeah. Who have, who, have, who have tactically, like, who have obviously employed that specific tactic that we're just going to just defend. I watched that. That is Sturridge. all we're going to do. And, and none of the none of the attackers did well against any of us. No, it was not, neither Coutinho nor Firmino. None of them did any, anything. So it wasn't just Sturridge. It's yeah, unfair I, to just blame started, him and expect him Coutinho to win was out, games like, on his own. Time, so he did. But I know what you're saying, like, but that the point is, if right, okay, you you take Aguero, right? You you take uh, a city team that has I don't know Caballero in nets. They play with with John Stones and one of their lesser centre backs who I'm, I'm, I can't think. Automandy, give him, let him play. Okay, so Ottomandi and, and Stones then, but then they play with Kolarov, and, or Ottomandi and Kolarov, say, play there, or Stones and Kolarov. He's, Kolarov's gotten a bit of abuse this year. And, and then they, you know, they go with a, with a few kids, maybe they have a kid at left back, and then they play with, um, or they have Cliche at left back, and they play with a kid at right back. They play with Yaya Toure in midfield, and a couple of kids around him. Then they play with Aguero up front and a couple of kids around him. So they're playing 4-3-3 and that's what they do. You'd expect that team to beat a League 2 side. You'd expect Sergio Aguero, even with getting minimal service, just perhaps from, from Toure, who would be our Emre Chan, let's say, to be able to seize on what, put enough pressure, put enough fear on a uh, limited defence at a League 2 level who are probably scared enough just to be there. And are only running on adrenaline, you'd expect him to be able to give them a tour of time. And I'm not saying you expect Sturridge to win you the game necessarily, but you expect him to fucking, you know, come. He's come played in sort of fits and starts as well. That's another issue for me. I mean, I've, I said a couple of weeks ago, and if you give him ten games in a row, I mean, obviously this is this is me talking. I know Klopp does, isn't, isn't going to do this, and no one's going to do this. Give him 10 games in a row. If he doesn't perform and he doesn't get his confidence back, because I think with him it's a confidence issue as well. I think, I he, think you're uh, right. under Brendan Rodgers, I think it's often said he's the kind of guy who needs an arm around his shoulder. I don't think he's getting that from Klopp for whatever reason. And he's down. You can see he's down. It's been documented, well documented in the media that he looks down and he, you know he's upset to be going off and that's all fair enough. Give him 10 games in a row. If he doesn't do anything in those 10 games or if he doesn't get his confidence back up to the level and when he does start scoring, I'm sure he'll keep scoring. And then if he doesn't, then I'll, I'll join you, happily join you to sell him in the summer. But I know that's not going to happen. That's just my thinking. But you could give him, if you give him 10 games in a row, that, that's fair enough and that it makes perfect sense what you're saying. But if you give him 10 games in a row and Liverpool fail to win the first five, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Well, we just don't know. We just don't know. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Ums, Ums, if everyone was fit and available, would you start him now? 
Well, obviously, it's been proven that the. Uh, just, team... No, just, just yes or no. Just yes or no. Would you start him now? If everyone was fit and available? I'd find a way to add him in, yeah, because I'm a fan of his. <laughs> okay, but from everything you've seen this season, would you start him in the centre forward position? I mean, look, look, the last couple of months he's been off, so. That's what I'm saying. He's not going to get that run of games. He hasn't got the manager's confidence. I just want to see him get some games. But you're right. He, um, I, don't I, get know how, I don't know how he's going to fit into the team because your t- the team does do well the, without him in it. The one game that he really fitted into this season, the one game that he did really well in was Leicester at home. Yeah. And in that game, it seemed to look as if he could fit into the system and that it would work. I think that was the only team he played that we kind of uh, the that wasn't kind of defensively um, organised against us. Yeah, yeah that maybe. Was it. Yeah, we've seen well, the rest have been. Leicester, Leicester have gone on to be as well, like so. Yeah. You know, it's not great opposition, but it did look systemically like he wouldn't have a problem fitting in. Um, but since then, it, I mean, he also he played well in the League Cup against Spurs. Uh, admittedly, it was a, it was a team of kids, but. Again, Sturridge played in a team that was essentially kids as well as two second string 11s and we were far better and Sturridge was the difference in that game and that's the sort of thing he expected and if he hadn't even been that this season, even just been our cup guy, so we were still in the cups because you're playing a second string team that players like Sturridge and Moreno and, and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Ajaria and so on are, are featuring regularly and, and being good enough to win games and get through, then, then brilliant. But in those games, the senior players haven't stood up and has been at the, at the forefront of that, really, in the, in the, in the, in the latter rounds. I mean, as we said at the beginning of the season, it wasn't the case, but November, December, January, I mean, November he got injured, wasn't it? When we really needed him to come in. Uh, I think when Mane left, he had a couple of games out, which was annoying because we were thinking when Mane goes, he's going to get his opportunity, and then he uh, he was he was injured for a couple of weeks. Wrong time though, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, that was. I remember being really frustrated about that one myself because I thought well, that was the time for you to maybe come in and, and have a run of games. But and do you know what? Just, I think that's the point. He, he had every opportunity he's been given, he hasn't taken it. And, you know, from the manager's perspective, he can only give him so many chances before he has to make a decision one way or the other. And whether it's through form, through finishing or through fitness, he hasn't taken his opportunities when they've been, when they've been given to him this year. Yeah. So, like I say, it is a, it is a fucking crying shame because yeah. I hope that my, my, my hope and my expectation was that, okay, so, um, Lalana gets injured. He's not fit for this Atlantic game. So, do you know, it's dead easy. We just drop Coutinho in there because he can do what Alana does. We've seen him do it in that diamond system Rogers played. And we play Sturridge and everything. And we play Sturridge. We play Daniel Sturridge. Fuck. What a luxury that is. Happy days. Oh, well, Coutinho's get injured. Well, that's fine. So, in the, in the front three, we just play Sturridge. He's left-footed. He can play on the left-hand side or you can swap Mane over. You can fucking do whatever you want. In fact, they entertains that much that it really shouldn't matter only from a defensive perspective where they are on the pitch. And then, Coutinho comes back and then Mane's injured and you think, oh, well, fuck. Um, Mane's away, or Mane's away after the Nations Cup. Well, we'll just throw Sturridge in. Oh my God, this is amazing. So actually, we've got four, four absolute worldies at our disposal. And you've got a Regan in the background too, but Sturridge should have been available and playing for all of those games. That's like 16 games he should have been available, playing and contributing to. 
and you shouldn't even need to, you shouldn't even have been thinking about playing them in the cup games, but that isn't the way it panned out. And that, and it has panned out in the, at the completely opposite end of the spectrum. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what, there's only one way we go from here. And I've been saying for a while that it shouldn't even be a conversation, but we continue to talk about it because he is such a divisive figure. Um, if, you, if you add everything up, though, if you add it all up, the thing that always saved Daniel Sturridge, and rightly so, over the past you know few years when he has been injured and, and hasn't been in the team for injury purposes or injury reasons, was always that um, was always that. He scores goals. He scores goals. Whenever he plays, he scores goals. He doesn't need time to get back up to speed. He just scores goals. He comes in, he scores goals. He gives him the ball, he scores goals. You play him, you bring him off the bench, he scores goals. When he stops scoring goals and they dry up, and then the performances drop for whatever reason, whether it's confidence because he's not scoring goals, or whether it's not getting on with the manager, whatever the reason is, it's really neither here nor there. And you've got the injury concerns. So Klopp's had him in reserve, and maybe in his plan he's thought, right, this time of the season, I'm going to be able to call on Daniel Sturridge. He's going to be fresh. I know I can't play him that often, but I'm only going to need him to play this block of 12 games. And, you know, that's absolutely perfect. Then it comes around, shit, I need him. He's injured. Guess what? He's injured. Surprise, surprise. So then, as you say, David, it comes to a point where everything combined and Klopp's left with a situation where he's like, well, one, his form straight up. Two, he's lacking in confidence. Three, he still has injury problems. And four, he always seems to get injured when I actually need him. So I can't actually plan anything, base anything around his him because his fitness is never guaranteed and his availability is never guaranteed. So you've got to look at it then as the manager, I suppose, and then and, and just think about cutting your losses and um, and shipping it on, you know, and just, just moving on. Just, just probably best for both parties. I think we need... A different kind of striker. We do need another striker. There's no doubt we do need a 20, 20 goal a season goal scorer. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Firmino's doing really well and the others are chipping in and we're not doing too badly this season at all. But the fucking, the bonus of having a player where all his teammates know he's going to get 20 goals is, it can't be overstated. It's massive. Uh, yeah, and the, and from the business perspective, Neil, he does not rep to, to the owners. He does not represent value for money. Nothing like it. No, no, because he's being paid a fortune. You know, okay, Coutinho is, is reportedly now our highest paid player. Fair enough, but for a long time that was Daniel Sturridge, and for that, it's pretty much that entire time he's been on the treatment bed. You know, uh, I don't get paid that much sick pay. Yeah, well, I don't get any sick pay, motherfucker. I'm a freelancer, so. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? So you, you, you feel the pain worse than I do, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. You know, I don't even get holiday pay, you know what I'm saying? I lose out twice when I go away, so. I know how you feel, Neil. I'm the same. Yeah. So that's, that's the modern world. Like, you, you, you guys working in the bank, you have it, you have it nice. <laughs> yeah, you only think that. You only think that. The last thing I want to say is, and I meant to, I meant to touch on this for a while. And we've talked about this. we've talked about the, the 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 front six, but I think it can't be underestimated the importance of of Maddock being fit and available and yeah. back in form again. He the numbers the numbers speak for themselves. It's less than a goal a game we can see when Maddock plays, and I think it's over two goals a game when we do. Again, I, I, it can't be a coincidence, and he's another it's massive. The first clean sheet in ages, isn't it? And it's no coincidence yeah. that it's Maddie's no. second game back. Like 
Yeah, and he, he looked himself. He might as well himself. have gone to the AFCON, though. He missed all the games. I know, <laughs> he, he may as well have. Well, during that time. He, didn't he, may, get to the he may as well, well have. Yeah, he may as well have. And I know that's a separate issue with him, with him and, and the national coach. And, you know, it's not like he just dips to play for Liverpool. You know, he, he's, he ruled himself out for selection a year and a half ago. So yeah, I, I, I don't think I don't it's, it's not what that was all about. I don't understand it either. I don't understand it either. It almost feels to a point like we're getting picked on. Um, and then UEFA with their bullshit of, yeah, well, you know, you, we need to send this to you and we need to send you a letter. And then after we get the letter, you need, after you get the letter, you need to send us a letter to appeal this and then we need to have a hearing and then we need to make a decision. There's a fuck off. Letters. It's 2017. Get on your uh, fucking email. Ah, uh, they'll probably send, UEFA probably send things by fucking pigeon just to <laughs> save a fucking few <laughs> quid. That evaporates yeah. and there's no evidence. Just messaging a, a bottle. Few yeah, quid, expl- exploding fucking <laughs> stamp script or something. <laughs> yeah. <Eight> seconds. <laughs> but like, like I say, I think we missed him for a considerable number of games, and even the few games where he came back in already, he, he wasn't up. He wasn't up to scratch. He wasn't up the up the up the match fitness. So that that's another consideration we have to have moving into the last few games. And you know, I mentioned where everybody else might finish. But I didn't mention where we might finish, and I think it's think? going to be a scrap. I think it's going to be a scrap between us and City for second. Chelsea, Costa hasn't scored in three games, and Chelsea have got one point. So it's a mini wobble. Uh, by the standards of wobble. their season, it is a wobble. It is, but and only because the, they've been so good. Yeah, and the stats flying about again were same as Leicester last year. Chelsea are the one team in the Premier League who have made the fewest changes. Because they've had no significant injuries, suspensions, Afcon bullshit, any other fucking <laughs> not any other yeah, nonsense. They, to with. If Costa does his hamstring in the run-in, they're in, they could be hauled, not in trouble, but they could be hauled in. Yeah, yeah. The, because the thing is, him and Hazard are the difference in in a lot of games, and, yeah. and a lot of the well, others. If, they've got uh, very good players everywhere, but they feed off. They all feed off. off off Hazard really and, and Costa that potency yeah. up front I think the systems didn't the, even go to the, China in January then got all our yeah, hopes up and everything it's <laughs> very I think it's very similar I think Conte's similar beneath his where the, the system set up to get the best out of his best players yeah. the same way that the system was set up Gerard to get the best Torres. out of Gerard and Torres yeah. The system that he deploys is is set up to get the best out of Hazard and Costa. And he moved Hazard into that more central, freer role to get the best out of him because that's where he thought, you know, seeing this system, that's where I'm going to get the best out of you. So, you know, if one or both of those guys go missing, you know, who are they going to bring in? Fucking Batshuayi. He's played about three and a half minutes all season. Yeah. Because yeah, Costa has been... He, honestly, because he's that fucker's stealing a living as well. And well, he must be raising. He's signed for of course. five million. He must be thinking, "Fuck, I'm fine. He's at least, you know, getting some decent minutes as a sub here, some cup games and whatever." But he fucking, he's hardly had a look in. Like, I know it's absolutely crazy. But again, it's because Costa has been practically available for the entire season. Yeah, and yeah. we and he's unfortunately one game through suspension. I think that's yeah. Right. We ha- we haven't had that luxury. We have had players out, and we haven't had Nathaniel Klein's out. We haven't had, you know, no, let's say it's Jordan. It's been Coutinho's, Lallana's, Mane's, Maddox. It hasn't been, oh, fucking Lovren's missing. What do we do? Celebrate. <laughs> party. Well, do you know what I mean? You know, we've got a goal, we've got a goalkeeper issue. Who really gives a fuck? 
Um, those guys are still up there banging in three and four and five goals a game. But we have not had anything close to that luxury. So, you know, maybe, maybe for the last 13 games, the, the table will turn. The luck. Yeah, maybe the table will turn. Who knows? And if it does, then you just never know what you just never know what might happen well, and I know thing. I'm You've bordering on the eternal 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 optimist here but what the fuck is football without a bit of hope absolutely and you've got to put you put that run together you go unbeaten for the last 13 games you put 10 wins in then you're asking the question of whoever finishes first I mean that, that's what yeah. it comes down to you, you've just got to get your own form sorted and win your games and if you absolutely. Can do that then you're going to be in the in the mix there's no doubt about it like yeah, and do you know what we've just done here, Neil? We've given Neil Devlin every possible reason to point the finger at us as if we're not right, because we've basically advocated every positive there is going for Liverpool to go on a run right now with regards to the break, Klopp knowing how to work the break, the players we have back, potential matches and European commitments that other teams have. So it better fucking happen. Oh, well, we're in for a rough. We're in for a rough ride. Who's going to write another uh, article? Devlin, Devlin, it doesn't doesn't scare me to be to be fair, but yeah, he, <laughs> he, he will like to 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 point it point it out. And to be fair, you know, if we collapse now, then he he'd be right. And fair play to him, whatever. Like, yeah, we've well, got no excuse. We've got no excuse, no excuse now if we do. Exactly right. We're set up. We're set up. We've got our our training time. We've got our break. We've got our uh, nice um, fixture list with uh, plenty of rest time in between games, plenty of training time. We've got our, our great manager and... And all our key players back. All our key players back. And a team that scored the most goals in the league this season, let's not forget. So let's, let's think positively. There's no reason why we can't go on a good run and finish half the league. I certainly see us finishing the top four. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. If we don't, then, you know, it's only... It's only because it's it's only down to us. It's our own fault for what yeah. to put it more succinctly like. We've only ourselves to blame, mate. Only ourselves to blame. Like big enough and ugly enough to look after ourselves. So Yes, and we'll take it on the chin too. That's it. So like we have every other year. Absolutely. We've become used to it, but sure, I mean, it is all about being being strong finishers and we are traditionally strong finishers. And I believe that uh, even in the the Fabled 13, 14 year, um, and the, the much fucking faded 08, 09 year. We put in tremendous runs in the second half of the season, like, they make it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, anyone, anyone, anything else to add? Because we've been, uh, banging on for a while here. So, um, anything else on anything else? Not, Not a thing. Said enough, I think. Okay, okay, nice one. So, um, alright, so I mean, that just about covers it, I think, for this episode of Copcast. Um, yeah, we've done another kind of back to front one. Um, we just kind of like it. It's, uh, we've had good feedback on it and we feel that the flow goes well. Um, we may come back with structure. I'm sure we probably will, uh, at a, at a, at a juncture that's not too far away from here, but sure, while it goes good, yeah, you may as well uh, enjoy the ride. Uh, so that just leaves me to, to come to my guests and just a, say thanks. So cheers. And uh, ask what they're doing and uh, where you can find them and catch up with them and, and see what's going on with them. So 
Umara, uh, have you got anything written at the moment? Do you have anything? Uh, no, I've been writing a bit more regularly recently, though, just doing kind of your match reviews and a couple of bits in between. But So, yeah, I'm doing focusing more on that side of things. So, yeah, just um, every after every match, I do put something out. So have check them out, please. So that's on, on Cop Left, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Cop Left, yeah. Okay, excellent. And uh, on Twitter, you want to put your handle out there? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> underscore, <laughs> underscore U-M-A-R-A will be in the tweet anyway, so. Okay, excellent, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, make sure to check out Umara's match reports. There aren't many matches for, for a while, as we've spoken about, but I'm sure the, the Spurs one's definitely worth a read, like. And Dave, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, find, find me, follow me, and, and unfollow me on uh, Dave Dunning 81. I'll plug Umara's um, match reports, which are which are which you are, haven't read any, which are a great read, and then I'll then I'll unplug Neil Devlin's fucking suicide note that he wrote last week. Um, so yeah, Devlin unplugged. Yes, Devlin unplugged. For a, so yeah, that's about it. Up up the up the mini end of winter break. Excellent. Excellent. Nice. Well, as always, I'm on board with your optimism. Uh, you can find me, if you like, um, on Twitter, at Neil1980. Uh, you can also generally catch me doing these podcasts on uh, Copcast, on Cop Left. Uh, I'm still sort of semi-threatening to write something, but don't hold your breath, because you, you'll die. You'll die waiting. Um, other than that, yeah, uh, that's about it. So I just say thank you very much for listening. If you have stuck with us this long, then uh, fair play to you. You deserve a medal. And uh, we'll be back hopefully next week. We may take an elongated break because of, of what's going on, but uh, you'll just have to wait and see.